Welcome, market participants, to another three things in credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. The initial burst of new issue has subsided a bit, which, by the way, confirmed that there is still a very healthy bid for credit. And now we're set for the bulk of Q4 earnings to flow through. Have to admit, I found a bit of comic relief this past week in one of my essential reads, The Economist magazine, which always refers to itself as a newspaper. One of its headline stories is, A flurry of new studies identifies causes of the Industrial Revolution. Just in case you were waiting for that. All right, this week our three things are, One, deterioration. When will it show up? Two, unemployment. When and where will it show up? And three, big bank results. We'll summarize what the biggest players in credit are seeing. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Where is the deterioration? I had a conversation with an investor this past week that got me thinking. By the way, every conversation with investors gets me thinking, so don't be shy. She wondered, where was the concern in the market? Why aren't we seeing more negative rating actions? The answer can be found in the place it's always found, in the cycle. More specifically, the kind of cycle we're heading into. What are the defining characteristics of this cycle? Well, it starts with the nature of the downturn. Contractions are typically caused by an imbalance in the economy that corrects, naturally and or forcibly. In this case, the imbalance is 40-year inflation, corrected forcibly by aggressive tightening by the Federal Reserve and other central banks, and naturally through the gradual normalization of supply constraints. The defining feature of this cycle is that the problem is well-known and dimensioned, and the solution is well-known and reasonably well-dimensioned, although the ultimate impact of how this cycle plays out remains a source of uncertainty. The other relevant bit of this cycle is the relative strength of the component parts of the economy. Consumers, businesses, and the financial system, all, for the most part, strong coming into the contraction. Within these broad components, there are predictable and visible nuances that matter. Among consumers, we watch middle to lower income cohorts where many members live paycheck to paycheck. There is vulnerability here. Less so on the employment front, where demand for workers continues to exceed supply in many industries, but more so having to do with the ravages of inflation. Among businesses, it's about durability in a world characterized by slowing growth and technological disruption. Durability is a function of an advantaged and well-executed business model and or an appropriate capital structure. Those with neither will struggle. Now, I know that's hardly revelatory, but coming from an age of massive monetary and fiscal accommodation, where zombie firms proliferated, not everyone gets a pass through this filter. So putting the pieces together, investment-grade firms should ride through this downturn without much trouble from a credit perspective. That, by the way, is the answer to the investor I talked to earlier this week. We would also expect this cycle to expose those that go 0 for 2 on the business model slash capital structure scorecard we described. That implies that we should see a buildup off of very low levels in distressed credits over the course of 2023 
and relative weakness in the lowest rated credits. Investment grade credits should prove to be fairly resilient. All right, on to our second thing, finding unemployment. We attended a reception last night that featured a speech and discussion with John Williams, president of the New York Fed. Mr. Williams believes in the softish landing scenario for the U.S. economy if we go by his forecast that calls for growth in real GDP in 2023 to stay positive at 1%. By the way, the Bloomberg consensus is calling for growth of plus half of 1%. He also expects unemployment to rise to 4.5%, although he acknowledged that the labor market has been stronger than he expected. I thought about this as I reflected on a comment I saw on Bloomberg TV this past week, where a strategist was genuinely perplexed and quite animated on the topic of unemployment. Where is the unemployment going to come from, he asked, rhetorically. It's worth exploring. So let's dig into this a little bit. The first thing to keep in mind is, we are in the calm before the storm. Risk markets are buoyant, showing little of what we would expect to see valuation-wise in a recession. Corporate earnings growth and profitability, which underpins those valuations, has been quite reasonable, especially beneath the high-profile correction in the tech sector. The ratio of job openings to available workers is historically high. Now, part of that labor force is employed by vulnerable firms, and it's not just smaller firms. There are plenty of larger firms that have sustained largely through cheap capital made possible by extreme monetary accommodation and outsized fiscal support. That's changing, and that will reintroduce capitalism's creative destruction. And that will add to the unemployment rolls. Here's another source of unemployment, culling the ranks of the overhired. Our mantra on this podcast in 2021 was, this is not normal. You know the story, supercharged growth from that extraordinary federal support we just talked about. Now, that didn't stop a lot of firms from hiring as if this was a new normal. And that growth illusion continued into 2022, especially in labor-intensive industries such as travel, leisure, and hospitality, which have clearly benefited from what I think will be unsustainable revenge spend. Needless to say, we are correcting, and the ranks of the overhired are reducing. We see this clearly in the technology sector, and we're also seeing it less dramatically elsewhere. In some ways, this is a normal reaction to a slowing economy. In this case, there is more to come out in this cycle because of how strong economic growth was in 2021. Here's another source of unemployment, automation. Obviously a longer-term super trend, but the pull forward of technological solutions caused by the pandemic suggests that the impact of this trend is intensifying. The OECD just came out with an interesting study. What skills and abilities can automation technologies replicate, and what does it mean for workers? It found that in the U.S., occupations employing 10% of the workforce is at high risk of automation. Industries like construction, farming, industrial production, and transportation, among others. The point is, cycles have not gone away, though the last 15 years of massive quantitative easing have triggered unsustainable growth and hiring in many long-duration asset classes. That correction, along with increased automation and slowing growth, is how unemployment will rise. All right, on to our third thing, a fresh view of risk, 
courtesy of the big banks. Now, the hype around the earnings releases of the largest universal banks in the U.S. usually and disproportionately is centered on investment banking and trading. But getting past that reveals important drivers of economic growth. There, to summarize what we saw in Q4 2022 earnings and guidance, is, quite frankly, a cautiously optimistic picture. And that is constructive for credit. Yes, reserving for future loan losses rose, but some of that reflects the newish accounting treatment that requires bank lenders to set aside reserves when the loan is booked, and loan growth has been strong year over year. Consumer spending trends are softening, but remain at relatively healthy levels. And while the big banks believe, and are changing behavior accordingly, that a recession is quite possible, if not likely, no one is sounding the alarm. Even hurricane watcher Jamie Dimon has dialed back his fear factor. This is all consistent with the view that the problem is known, the solution is known, and the contraction will likely prove to be quite manageable. Here are some noteworthy details. J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Citi all are expecting a mild recession as a base case. Citi believes it will come in 2023's second half. Wells did not specifically mention the R word, but the messaging was consistent. B of A has made its downside case a bit more conservative. Credit quality is holding up well, although loan loss rates are bumping higher off of structurally low levels. B of A and Wells specifically highlighted weakness in the office segment of commercial real estate. Loan growth is moderating, as you would expect overall, into an economic contraction and a higher interest rate environment. But it's not turning negative. Wells acknowledged a targeted tightening of loan underwriting standards. All four banks observed their customers overall are well positioned to absorb the effects of the downturn. Our takeaway was a big, as expected, outcome, which we take as a good sign for credit markets overall. Nothing has fallen off a cliff. Nothing has surfaced as a force that could turn sentiment and trigger a broader risk-off shift. To be fair, we wouldn't have expected something along those lines, but it's always nice to have that expectation confirmed. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, deterioration. Expect markets to be less welcoming of weak business models and inappropriate capital structures. Two, unemployment. It will rise again. And three, big bank results. Nothing is surfacing yet as something ominous. And that's good for credit. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. Fly, Eagles, fly. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.